tradition unlike any other the masters. There's this week in Augusta, Georgia, where everybody comes and they go to this one course and there is excitement and there's passion and there's energy and the, the crowds are 20, 30, 40 people deep and the, you experience the, the, the highs, the emotional highs and the thrills of victory, but then the, the lows of defeat and their people are there to see the main attraction and they're all gathered together and they fill up the city with buzz and excitement. Now you think that I'm talking about the master's which I am, but as excited as I am about that today, I'm way more excited about this. Because I could have just been describing to you Palm Sunday, the day that we are in. As excited as I am about this, I'm really excited about this and the palm that you hold in your hands today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 21. We'll get back to the golf shot, so stay awake, those of you that are down in front. You never know. Matthew chapter 21 is where we're going to camp out for a little bit. Today is Palm Sunday, which is the start of Holy Week, which we've always already talked about is the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, not on a conquering stallion, a horse, but on a donkey declaring peace. And so Jesus comes in, and just like Augusta, Georgia, the city of Jerusalem, it was packed. It was the Passover festival. And so everybody comes like it's the Masters or the Super Bowl or whatever it is, everybody gathers in one place from their hometowns and everybody's there. And right in the middle of that, there's passion and there's energy and there's excitement. And right in the middle of that, the first Palm Sunday, this parade breaks out because they get word that the Messiah, this Jesus, this rabbi from Nazareth is coming into town. And so instead of a ticker tape parade or confetti, the people actually start ripping down uh, palm branches from the trees, which I'm sure they checked with the Parks and Rec Department before they did that in Jerusalem, but they started ripping these down off the trees and making sort of a, like the Academy Awards, like a, like a red carpet event for a celebrity to come in. They lay these palm branches down and they would put their cloaks, like literally taking the shirts off of their back for this celebrity. And just like the masters, people are lined up, if you can imagine, on both sides of the street and they are expecting their king and their shouting, Hosanna. This is why we sang that this morning. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so I can describe it to you, but I also want to give you a, a picture of what it was like and make sure that you stay awake, which is always one of my big goals up here as well. So I'm going to split you this morning into two groups, okay? So I'm just going to go like this. And if you're on that side of my arm, then you're, you're team one over here. If you're on that side, then you're team two over here. So team one, everybody raise your hands over here. Just kind of pick a side. All right, team two, pick a side over there. Okay, didn't want to split it. Okay, right down the middle there. Okay, so we're going to see which side of the triumphal entry here in Jerusalem is a little bit more excited. So you are going to be the Hosanna side, and you're going to be the blessed is the king side. Okay, you got your cues up there on the screen, so you don't have to worry about that. So just pretend you're not nice, calm, stoic Lutherans for a second, okay, and try to outdo the other team, because that's what it's all about here is winning. Uh, okay, so let's just practice, just to make sure you got it. You're the Hosanna, you're the blessed is the king. Okay, one, two, three. Hosanna! Eh, I don't know if I believe him or not. How about you guys? Blessed okay, I think you got this. Now, you've got a palms for, your palms for a reason, so let's, I'm not going to make you stand. Let's not go too far here, but make sure that you wave them around in the air like you just don't care. All right, ready? Here we go. We're going back to go back and forth, so Pay attention. Welcome to Palm Sunday 2017. Here we go. Oh, I mixed it up on you. 
Oh, good job. Everybody, Hosanna, one, two, three. Hosanna, Hosanna, good job. See, I mixed it up on you. You got to pay attention. I'm telling you what, get hit by a golf ball, you mix it up. Crazy things going on here this morning. Hosanna, do you know what you're saying? I didn't until a few years ago. Hosanna literally means save us. Wait a minute. That's not normally like a chant you, you cheer or something, you know, like, save me. It doesn't really fit. They're saying save us, which only makes sense if there's something you need saving from, which is perfectly, it perfectly makes sense for the Jews there gathered that day. In their mind, this was Jesus. This celebration was all about him because their king, their Messiah was coming. And in their minds, this was a conquering king. This is what Roman generals did when they would go out and expand the Roman Empire and win a battle. They would come back to much excitement and the big parade, and they would come in on their horse with their chariots and their army behind them, and everybody would cheer, hail the conquering king or hail the conquering general. And here's Jesus, and that's what they're expecting that day. You've never met this guy named Jesus. You expect him to come in with his army on a white stallion with a sword and a helmet and the whole army behind him, and here comes Jesus on a donkey, not looking like a king at all, and they're saying, Save us because this Messiah is supposed to save them from the Roman oppression and kick those Romans out and restore Israel to national prominence. Well, they got the king part right. But what they missed is that he's not just any king, he's the king of kings. But here's what they missed. With all due respect to their national pride, with all due respect to uh, the leaders and presidents and powers that have ever existed or that exist in our world today, Jesus was making it very clear by what, over the course of this three-year ministry, by what he said and by what he didn't say, by what he did and often by what he didn't do, that he, as the, the, the most innocent man to have ever lived, never fought back against the hatred and the oppression. He didn't, at any point, he could have called down the armies of angels from heaven, to wipe out the Roman Empire in an instant. But he didn't. As he was nailed to the cross a week later, in an instant he could have called for help and said, Father, let's stop it all. It's not worth it. It's too much pain. It's, it's too much. At any point he could have stopped, but he didn't do it. Because as he's standing there on trial before Pilate, bloodied and beaten with a crown of thorns shoved into his forehead just a few days later, he looks at Pilate and says, you have no power over me because my kingdom is not of this world. And if it was, you would know because I'd be winning. Because I would be winning. You may be winning the battle, but there's a far more important war that's going on. And you don't know it yet, but I've already won that as well. I'm the king of kings, Jesus says that day. And so as you think of Palm Sunday, think of the mission that Jesus was on. Jesus says, my primary mission, I'm sorry to break it to you today, is not to restore your national prominence and just to kick out the Romans. Jesus says, my primary mission today is not aligning with a particular political party or your social issue or agenda or whatever you have. Jesus says, my mission is way bigger that bigger than that, and it's saving you from two things that you'll never be able to defeat on your own, the worst possible oppression, the worst possible enemy that you could ever encounter, and that's your sin, 
and the result of our sin is death. And you can, yay, absolutely. (laughs) I wish more of you were that interactive. Man, praise the Lord, right? That's why we have kids here. That's why Jesus did that. This branch that you hold this morning is way more than a leaf. It's a declaration of dependence. Shout, Hosanna, Jesus, he saves. When you wave that palm branch and when you hold that and when you take that home with you today, remember, a branch in and of itself is a declaration of dependence. For them that day, it was, Jesus, save us. I need saving from myself. I can't save myself. But when you think about it, not just a palm branch, but any branch, you just happen to have this palm tree up here today as well, any branch by itself separated from the tree is an act of dependence. This, this branch, your branch this morning, cannot survive on its own. And so as we think about Palm Sunday, but we also dive into our scripture that we heard read for us this morning about the vine and the branches, you start to see the connection. Branches are a declaration of dependence. They can't make it without a life-giving source, which is the main point that Jesus is making in our final I am statement today. So if you have your Bibles, flip from Matthew now to John chapter 15, or your, uh, your tablet or your phone or wherever you have your Bible, I would really encourage you to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, there are plenty for the taking, and there's more where that came from as well. So John chapter 15, Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches. If you're just getting caught up, we've been in this series in the Gospel of John where chronologically we're walking through Jesus' story of his life and his ministry, and he makes these six I am statements. And the final statement that he makes today is this in verse 5. So John chapter 15, verse 5, he says this, I am the vine, and you are the branches that you hold in your hand today. If you remain in me, Jesus says, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, we know when Jesus said these words, this isn't just a random time. This was after dinner conversation, meaning after the Last Supper. Jesus is less than 24 hours away from being arrested and taken to his death. If you were on your deathbed, and you were surrounded by all of your closest friends and family, would you just kind of shoot the breeze? No, you'd probably really think about what you wanted to say because it's really important. Your final words. And Jesus says, guys, let me make it really simple for you. You know, as we've been walking around Nazareth and Jerusalem these last few days, I'm sure we've passed by hundreds of palm trees. You know, the ones that they uh, ripped down for me. And guys... Whenever you walk by one of those trees the rest of your life, I want you to remember this. If you want a picture of what it looks like to be in relationship with me, Jesus says, this is me. The thing that holds it together. The things that provides life and nourishment for you. This is you. This is you. And Jesus breaks it down even further. There's two ways to live this life. Connected or disconnected. You can live your life like this, Jesus says, or you can live your life plugged in to the vine. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, why would Jesus say that? Why would he make it that clear and that focused? Because Jesus knows what it looks like to follow him. He created you, and he chose you for a reason. You can't expect to do life your own way 
when the one that created you is the one that provides life. You're never going to find it. So I want to highlight three main reasons for you in this text today of why Jesus chooses this analogy of the vine and the branches above any other. If you're keeping score at home, number one, to follow Jesus, you have to stay connected. It's as simple as that. You have to stay connected. As you hold that branch today, let it be a reminder to you that just like you, (coughs) excuse me, you cannot live life alone. You are utterly dependent on a life-giving source on something greater. To bring it all back, because it all goes back to golf in my mind somehow, if you think about this, here's an eight iron. In my hands, this eight iron is okay. People spend hundreds and thousands of dollars to get the right golf clubs because they think that by themselves, these golf clubs are going to transform their golf game and make them into a world-class golfer. And so you'll hear these advertisements say, this is the best golf club that's ever been made. And as long as you use our golf club, then you'll be able to hit it twice as far as you currently are. You'll be able to put spin on the ball, which I've never been able to do. And you'll be able to score even lower and have more accuracy as long as you have the right club. What they fail to mention in the golf club commercials is that you're still swinging the golf club, right? It doesn't matter who's holding it. You're still the one playing golf. In my hands, connected to me, this golf club's not going to win the Masters. Now, it matters who you're connected to. Connect this golf club, put this in the hands of Mr. Jordan Spieth up there, Two-time major champion, winner, only two strokes back today going into the final round of the Masters. Not that anybody's watching. Put, that, put this golf club, this $20 golf club that I managed to buy in his hands, this golf club could win the Masters. Disconnected from Jesus, he says, you can do nothing in the right hands, in the hands of Jesus connected to him. Jesus later says, nothing will be impossible for you. You can pray and you can say to this mountain, fall into the sea. And he's literally meaning that. You have the power, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, as we sang this morning, lives inside of you. Are you in good hands? And no, this is not an Allstate commercial. Are you in good hands with Jesus, right? You're going to remember that now, right? It matters who you you are connected to. So back to verse 5. Look back at the story. Jesus says, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, when you read that, I don't know about you, but it seems like a little harsh. Like, geez, Jesus, that's a little extreme, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do lots of things. Let's just admit that. I know a lot of people, including myself on a regular basis, that are really, really busy, but don't have a lot to show for it other than a jam-packed schedule and stress and being overwhelmed and superficial relationships because of it. And it's because of this. Busyness does not equal fruitfulness for the kingdom. Oh, I don't think you got it. Let me say that again. Busyness does not equal fruitfulness for the kingdom. Busyness as a follower of Jesus does not mean that you're growing as a disciple. Doing more is not the answer. Being connected is the answer. I haven't met anybody, I don't think there's anybody here today that wouldn't say that they want to be fruitful, that wouldn't say they want to make an impact and and live a life of significance and produce fruit in their life. I don't think anybody would say that. I've never met anybody that says, you know what, I don't really care about my kids. 
I don't really want to be a godly parent. I don't really want to invest in my marriage. I don't really want to be a great employee at work and have purpose and satisfaction. Never met anybody that would say that. We all want to produce fruit, and yet sometimes the way that we live disconnected from the vine, we often want the results. It's like we do our own thing instead of being connected to the vine. It's like we want the results of a relationship with Jesus without putting in the time to develop the intimacy. We want the results of being connected to the vine, but the way that we live our life is over here and running over here and running over here. And it's, don't get me wrong, it's not so much the, the terrible big sins that everybody thinks about. Sometimes you look around and like, well, I'm, I, I'm connected, but it's in the subtle things. Are you going through a difficult time in your life right now? You have a big decision to make? You're looking from some direction? Are you a little worn out from parenting? You kind of plateaued in your marriage a little bit? Whatever it is in your season of life, we have the tendency to go, if we're the branch, we go, yeah, I, I need some help. I, I think I read a blog about that once. I'll go look over here and try to find some life. I'm really struggling. I, 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 what's everybody else doing? What's, what's popular these days? Let me, let me go check Facebook. You know, I, I think I read a book about that once. And meanwhile, Jesus, the true vine, is over here going, did you forget this is where home is. This is where you're connected. Not only did I create you, I chose you. And that's why later on in verse 16, all the way down the bottom of the passage, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. I called you out. I created you for a purpose so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Jesus says, ultimately, I did not create you to fill your calendar with stuff. I created you to live your life on purpose by living your life in a way that's connected to the vine so that you only do what I'm calling you to do. You don't look to the left and you don't look to the right and you don't look what everybody else is doing. You stay in your lane and you be the man or woman of God that he created you to be, not living a life of comparison. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Comparison is the thief of joy. And you're running around comparing yourself to other, any other branch when Jesus says, your primary mission in this life is to be connected to me and leave the results of your life up to him not in this life of constant striving. That's why Jesus in John chapter 8, as he's living connected with the Father, he says, I do nothing on my own, just what the Father has taught me. Over and over in the scriptures, Jesus says, I'm not going to do that because I haven't heard from God that I'm going to do that. I'm so focused on this mission. Again and again, Jesus withdrew to a lonely place. Jesus got up early in the morning to pray. Jesus withdrew to be with his Father over and over again. Why? Jesus is modeling for us the way that we should live, is to stay connected to the vine, not out-separated on your own. What if you lived your life, what if you took a day and only did what you sensed God telling you to do? Some of you are like, I am pretty sure that God's voice is telling me to sleep in and take the day off of work. So don't go telling your boss that your pastor told you to do, oh, God told me to. No, don't, don't go there. But what if you only did what you felt like God calling you to do, instead of all the other voices that are out there saying, do more, get your kids involved in more, run around like crazy, fill your social calendar, be super, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time all of a sudden for the things that really matter. Jesus knew he was on track, that he was producing kingdom fruit because he was connected. I've never met anybody who doesn't want to leave an impact, but we live like this versus like that. And the tendency is, I've got to 
question, I'm going to look around and see what everybody else is doing, and it's a slow drift. Nobody sets out to be disconnected from Jesus, but I guarantee that there are some of you sitting here today that are saying, I'm not connected to the vine. And as nicely as I can say it, he's not the one that left, but he's right there with you. He's always been there with you. And so we wake up one day and we say, I come to worship every week, but I just kind of feel like I'm going through the motions. You know, I, I, it's been a while since I've either been in a small group or it's, I just, you know, I, something came up again. I'm sorry, I, I couldn't make it this week. And I wonder why my relationships are so surf- superficial. It's because we're not connected to the vine. We're not connected to Jesus. We're not connected to each other. I wonder why my marriage is lacking passion. We're not connected to the vine. To make it very personal, I will tell you this. Not just as your pastor, but as John, a human being, I know that unless I'm connected to Jesus, I am not going to have a marriage that is worth replicating for those around us, and most importantly, the marriage that my kids see every day. Unless I'm connected to Jesus. I know that I can't be a godly parent unless I have intimacy with God daily. Unless I'm connected to the vine. I, I know those moments when I'm plugged in and when I'm not plugged in. Would you believe the most powerful thing that you can do to be the best employee in your workplace to see kingdom fruit is to be with Jesus every day because who knows how the vine might want to flow life through you as a branch to those sitting around you in your cubicle, in your office place, on the way to work, with your fellow employees. The best thing that you can do is stay connected. The most loving thing you can do for your spouse is get connected to the vine. The most loving thing you can do to be the best parent is not to read one more blog, but is to get your Bible and listen to the voice of your father. I cannot emphasize that enough. You know those moments. You know those moments when you're dry and you have nothing to give. As a spouse, as a parent, as a friend, as a member of your small group, as an employee, you can't give what you don't have. You reproduce who you are, and you can't fake it. You can't fake it. You're either living your life here, or you're living your life connected to the vine. Jesus says, I want to produce fruit through you. I want to produce fruit in your life, but you've got to stay connected. So that's number one, is to stay connected. Jesus wants to produce fruit in your life. Everybody say, connect. But the second piece there that Jesus talks about is pruning. It is like prop day today. I don't know what got into me, but there's all sorts of things. Amanda, would you like some clippers instead of the picture? I can get you that. Um, I'm not a botanist, but I do know that pruning is essential, and that's the second piece that the reason this is a perfect illustration of the Christian life is because we should expect to get pruned. I do know that for a tree to survive, it's got to get pruned back once in a while. Even the branches that are healthy need to get pruned back because there's branches that are diseased or it creates better circulation, airflow. In the tree, I read an article this past week that the way that they phrased it was one of the reasons that you prune branches, that you prune a tree, is to keep it from getting in its own way. Sit on that for a second. The reason you get pruned is to help you not get in your own 
way. Does anybody feel like you get in your own way sometimes? You take a step forward only to take two steps back in the person that you're trying to be? Jesus says, that's why my father is the gardener, and I'm going to prune you back. Verse 2 says, <coughs> Jesus says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. So why does Jesus prune us? To produce more fruit in our lives, right? And what kind of fruit does Jesus want to produce if it's not busyness and stress and being overwhelmed? What does he want to produce? We go to Galatians 5. You've probably heard this before, and we read this. But the fruit of the Spirit, not of our flesh, but of the Spirit, is, say it with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Self-control. I forgot about that one, right? Guessing that there's not a single person in here that when I read that list went, I'm guessing all of you said, man, I could use some more of that, right? Just like I'm guessing, does anybody want to stand up and just admit that they're just rocking that list, right? I didn't see any of you stand up and go, nailing it, totally nailing it, don't need pruning at all, right? I just, I am the world's most patient person. I have all the faithfulness in the world. I am filled to the brim with joy, even at 6.30 a.m. on Monday morning when I have to go to work. I have all the peace in the world. I'm the kindest person we know. I have so much self-control. I am the most loving person in the world. I am so patient. When is the sermon going to be done? And yet we don't live connected, so we don't see that in our lives. It's why we need pruning. And often the kind of Pruning that Jesus wants to do in our lives is not fun. It's not always comfortable. Sometimes it's difficult. We need to be pruned so that we can produce fruit. And God, unlike a gardener with a pair of of clippers, God will use the circumstances of our lives when we least expect it to make us more like his son, to prune us. Reminds me of a scene, and those of you that have taken our core class, this will sound very familiar to you, but reminds me of a scene from one of the uh, deep, deep biblical theological movies of our day, uh, Evan Almighty. And those of you that have seen this know I'm completely joking because this is a stretch of the imagination of what the Noah story was like. But you remember Steve Carell and Morgan Freeman uh, plays God and, and this kind of a modern day story of Noah where Carell's character is a, is a uh, congressman there in Washington, D.C. and he gets asked to build an ark in a drought, right? Just like the Bible story. Well, there's this scene later on when this call on his life to follow God is really weighing on his family. And there's tension with the kids and the parents, and they're struggling with direction, and they're having arguments and difficulty in their family unit. I'm not sure, I'm sure this is not applicable to any of you, but they're struggling as a family, and they're at odds with each other, and they're wondering why they're not closer and why God is doing this to them. And then she's out to lunch, Evan's wife is out to lunch one day, and gets a little visit from a character named Al Mighty, who offers some pruning advice. Let's take a look. Little uh, loaves and fishes reference for those of you that were wondering what the connection was there. I don't know about you, but I think God, when I finally meet him face to face, is going to be a lot like Morgan Freeman, (laughs) right? Humorous, calm, cool, collected, and slightly sassy. Like, I just love that about him. I think God is pretty similar. Sounds like an opportunity. He reminds us, if you want to be more loving, if you want to be more patient, if you want to have a better prayer life, if you want to feel closer to your spouse... God doesn't zap us with those feelings, just like God doesn't come up to a tree and zap it, and all of a sudden there's fruit. 
Intimacy with Jesus is the key because it is a process of producing fruit. Growth in your life is going to happen over time through pruning, and often it's painful or uncomfortable. I'm guessing every single one of us can look back, think, think right now over the story of your life, and there are probably two to three incidences, weeks, days, events, painful experiences that stick out to you that you will remember forever, that were defining in your life. You got those in your mind right now? I'm sure at the time, you were so angry at God or frustrated or doubting or questioning or why is this happening? And and I'm sure none of you are saying, I'd like to have that over again, right? None of you are saying that. But I'm sure looking back on that time now, most of you can say, wow, I really grew. It's like the the father, the gardener was out there cutting away pruning away those things in my life. You know when your family member was really sick and nothing was working and it was really wearing on you as a family and you might be saying, you know, that's actually when I really learned to rely on God because he's all that we had. And actually, when I was going through that really difficult time, that's when I learned how to pray because I just learned that prayer is just pouring out your heart to God and God says, pruning. You know that year when, when I didn't know if my marriage would make it, you might be saying? And I look back on that season, and maybe you're in that season right now, so this may be some good perspective for you. And we just felt like giving up because it seems like everybody else just gives up when it gets hard. You know that, that season of my life, and we were just wondering, what are we going to do? And we realized that we'd made everything in our life a priority. Even our kids, we'd made a priority ab- above mom and dad. And now looking back on it, we can see that's when we learn to love each other and pursue each other, not to get anything back, but we're in this marriage of what can we give instead of what can I get? How can I serve you rather than how can you serve me? And God says, marriage pruning. One of my favorite ones is I had somebody come up to me one time and say, John, I was in a small group one time. It was a, a group of us men and women together, and it's just, I, just, I just wanted to quit. People were annoying. I said, were you annoying? No, not me, everybody else. People were annoying, and here's the thing I hear a lot. It wasn't deep enough for me. It just wasn't deep, and it wasn't wasn't filling me up, and so I just felt like, yeah, I'm going to go find a new small group because I'm sure there's a perfect small group out there somewhere that's going to meet all of my needs. And I said, did you quit? And they said, no. I stuck it out. I said, how long ago was that? Five years. Still with the same group. And now they look back and go, now I know. Now I know what it means for church to be family because when things get hard, you don't quit. You don't give up on people. And God says, pruning, your idea of community. Does God (laughs) purposely bring pain or difficulty into our lives? No. But he can redeem it. But he can use it. And I believe that what we view as inconveniences in our lives or wasted time, God says, I'm preparing you. I'm shaping you. I'm helping you get out of your own way so that you can experience life. And hear me say this, because God says, I am way more interested in your transformation than your comfort. Let me say that again. God says, I am way more interested in your transformation than your comfort. We have to get rid of this notion that I hear people talking about, especially in the church sometimes. Life is going difficult. God must have left me. I don't have these blessings showering down on my... Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Following Jesus doesn't make your life 
easier. It makes it worth living. We have a skewed view of Christianity. It is not safe, cool, calm, collected, everything's great, comfortable. Oftentimes, following Jesus means your life is going to be more uncomfortable because he's calling you out of your comfort zone to be transformed. You're being pruned so that you can produce fruit, which is the third thing that we see in this passage. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, stay connected, be pruned, and last but not least, you are going to produce fruit. Everybody say fruit. And not just fruit, (coughs) excuse me, fruit that will last. Verse 8, Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus says, if you are my follower, you don't have a lot of shoulds. You don't have any shoulds in your life because should is based in guilt and shame. Instead, you get to produce fruit. You will produce fruit. Jesus says there is a natural connection between being connected to the vine and producing fruit. If you are my disciple, your life is going to look drastically different from people around you so that people will say, what is it about you? You're going through this difficult time in your life And yet you still have joy, and you still have peace, and you have a sense of purpose and direction for your life, even when your marriage is on the rocks, even when you just lost your job, whatever you're going through. Let me tell you about this guy I know that's changed me from the inside out. You will produce fruit. When's the last time you walked up to a tree, and you listened, and you heard the branches going, come on, try harder, produce fruit, come on. Branches just do what they were created to do. They produce fruit. There's no striving. And what that means for us in the church is that we don't say, oh, I probably should serve. I should probably go to church. I haven't been there in a while. I should probably get involved. I should probably join us. Don't should on yourself. Just do it. It's what you were created to do. Some of you are going to get that on the way home right? It's what you were created to do. And that's what I love about you as a church. I have people that are new walking here all the time and they go, there's so much joy here. There's so much passion here because that's what it's about. That's your fuel. That's your motivation is being connected to the vine. When you're connected to the vine, you hear people, and I hear it all the time from you say, I get to serve. It's my week to serve coffee. It's my week to be a greeter. It's my week to be an usher. I can't wait to go to worship. Is it Sunday yet? Is it Saturday? I get to go to worship. I, I get to go to my small group. I can't wait to be with my small group. I can't wait. I, I can't wait to serve. I can't wait to grow. You see fruit popping up at our next service. We have a high school gal that's come, been coming to our ignition uh, group on Wednesday nights, and on her own, separate from her parents, she decided, I'm going to go to the baptism class. She shows up at the baptism class with a bunch of people twice her age. She takes the baptism class and she says, I want to get baptized. And at our next service, she's going to get baptized. She started this year being completely disconnected and now she's connected to the vine. She says, why wouldn't you get baptized? Because Jesus has changed my life and I want to respond to that. It's fruit. It's natural. You start inviting people. I, I love it. That those of you that are, especially those of you that are new to this church, are the ones that invite the most, it seems because you haven't kind of fell into that lull and that complacency, and it's still the most amazing thing ever, and you haven't forgotten about that, and every week you're bringing up new people and inviting, and that's why we're constantly saying, invite, invite, invite. That's why we've got the eggs as you're leaving today. I read a survey this week, and they interviewed thousands of people, and it says 63% of people asked, said they would totally come to worship. They would join a church if somebody asked them. This is like a 2017 survey. 63% 
people outside the church. I would totally come. Nobody's inviting me. When you're connected to the vine, you just do it because there's people that are living disconnected over here all by themselves and there's no life and there's no joy. And if you're connected to the vine, these branches are calling out to these branches going, hey, this is where the party's at. This is where the life is. You got to come check it out. It's not about Lutheran Church of Hope. It's about Jesus. It's about being connected to the vine. That same survey, they interviewed 50,000 people that were new to their churches. They'd just gotten connected within the past year. They're brand new to their faith. They're brand new to Jesus. And they were asked, why did you come? And they responded, because somebody invited me. It's so simple. It's about as simple as a vine and branches. When Jesus talks about growth and producing fruit, he's not just limiting to us as individuals, but to us as a church. Healthy people grow. Healthy small groups multiply. They grow. Healthy churches grow. And by God's grace, you are a part of a church that is growing, praise God. In many ways, not just wide, but deep. Hear me say this. Lutheran Church of Hope's goal has never been to be big. It's also never to be small. The goal has always been to be exactly what Jesus wants us to be, to stay connected to him, and then we'll produce all kinds of fruit. And around here, it's been a year of producing fruit. A year ago at this time, we did not have a big preschool that meets four days a week here, and all of all these new families and kids coming in our doors. God birthed that. Groups continue to grow. There's over 16 different groups that are meeting all throughout the week, men, women, and couples, so that there's no excuse to not get connected. Something every night for everybody, all throughout the week. We added a Saturday night service, which continues to grow as well, so that you're not sitting way back there by the women's bathroom every single week. So we continue to make space because healthy things grow. There's more of you serving outside these walls than ever before. But let me say this. It's not about the numbers. It's not just about growing wide. It's about growing deep. What I also want you to know is that I see this. I believe that we are becoming even more of a compassionate church. I believe that we're caring less and less about our appearance and more about what's in people's hearts. That's kingdom fruit. I believe that we're becoming more loving. We're caring for each other. People are getting healthier, both physically and emotionally, and we're setting healthier priorities. And I'm just as excited about that because Jesus is just as excited about that. Bigger is not better when it comes to church. Smaller is not better when it comes to church. Better is better, and better is being connected to the vine, is being connected to Jesus, and leaving the results of what kind of a church we're going to be up to him because it's his church, not ours. Amen? Bigger is not better. Smaller is not better. Jesus is better and staying connected to the vine. So I wouldn't be surprised if over the next several months and over the next year, we're going to continue to add staff. We're going to continue to grow our volunteer base. More and more people are going to be serving outside these walls. You might see us uh, with some new facility space as we continue to grow. You're going to see new ministries pop up. You're going to see groups continue to multiply. So stay alert for those things. Don't be surprised to see growth because healthy things grow. And as we continue to get healthy, God's going to continue to grow us. And that's certainly the case for a group that's up north of us that's been meeting. And a a few couples about a year ago got together and they started to worship online with hope at the 11 o'clock service online. And they got together. (coughs) They were disconnected from their church. They used to go to hope. And now they're in a new town and they wanted to experience Uh, worship at Hope there, and so they're worshiping online, and they invited a few of their friends. 
and they started watching this in their living room and then in their basement and then all of a sudden they invited a few more friends and now there's 15 people and 20 people and 30 people and all of a sudden we don't fit in our house anymore. It's like we want to continue to do this. I think this, somebody stood up and said, I think this is like church. Well, yes, it is. And so they found this old concert venue and kind of a, a, a bar or a club that gets used throughout the week, but not on Sunday morning, so they have to clean up a little bit from the night before. But now they're having church on Sunday morning, and they're in this venue, and, and, and all of a sudden they keep inviting people, and people start showing up. We don't know what we knew, but we didn't have anything to do with this as pastors and leaders of the church. They were just doing it because healthy things grow. A new branch was starting to bud, was starting to grow. 30 people, 40 people, 75 people last weekend in this group that started in somebody's living room, over 125 people because healthy things grow. And so this group of people has been known as a Hope Local site, not a campus yet, but as a Hope Local site that these are bubbling up, all, bubbling up all over the state and all over the country. And I am super excited to announce today Hope's newest campus, Academy Award style. Take a look. This is the moment we've all been waiting for, the big announcement. Hope's newest campus will launch on Sunday, August 20th in the city of... Go ahead and read it. Oh. La La Land! <laughs> Sorry, here. Wait, stop the music. There's been a terrible mistake. Uh, Hope's newest campus will launch in the city of... Moonlight? But Moonlight's a movie, not a city. Okay. I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. I was live tweeting backstage and taking selfies with the worship band, so I gave you the wrong envelope again. I'm, this, this shouldn't happen. Um, yeah, yeah, so the real launch city for the newest campus of Hope is... A land of pasta and magic, a place where students abound and research is king, a city of NBA stars, and soon and very soon, a city of hope. Hey, look at that. Praise God. Absolutely. Folks, you know God is on the move. You know God is on the move when even a church is growing in cyclone country. Let me tell you that, right? So I'm just kidding. Praise God for Hope Ames coming to you this fall. Very exciting. Absolutely. Um, campuses go well when they have a pastor, and so uh, you may recognize the campus pastor that's going to be leading Hope Ames into the future. His name is Danny Householder, who happens to be the son of Pastor Mike, our senior pastor, as well as he graduates in a few months from Bethel Seminary, which Amanda and I have heard is a pretty good seminary to attend, uh, as well as we both went there as well. And so we're excited for Danny to take the reins uh, of that and excited to be partners with him, and we are so excited for the kingdom to grow in Ames because it's never been about growing hope. It's always been about growing the kingdom and a new branch. Some of you don't know this. How many of you were around when we first started as a church? Like the first year, a few of you. Do you remember what our name was? City Branch. And Ankeny was Hope Branch, or excuse me, Hope North Branch. Branch, branches on a tree growing, and I couldn't help but think of that this morning as a new branch of Hope Ames grows on the tree to add to our five campuses, and now six. We're excited about that because we're all on the same team, just as every other church in Ames and every other church in Des Moines. That's why we work together with other churches. We pray for them regularly because it's not about growing hope. It's about growing the kingdom. 
because healthy things grow. And as excited as I am about Hope Ames, as excited as I am about the Masters, I'll spare you. I'm really excited this weekend about that branch that you hold and what it points to because it's Holy Week and God is literally on the move. Jesus is on the move into Jerusalem. He's on the move in your life and he wants to be connected to you like a vine and its branches. Folks, next week is Easter. Are you ready? And even if you're not, we're gonna get you ready because next week there's gonna be a few more people sitting around you. You may be sitting in an unfamiliar spot because we're gonna welcome in hundreds of guests. And so we wanna teach you a new song and I want you to pretend just for a moment that you're not Lutheran. I want you to pretend that you can laugh in church, that you can dance in church, that you can clap in church so that next week when we do this song, you can be the wild and crazy ones jumping around to bring that passion as well. So we're gonna teach you a new song this morning. It's called Glorious Day. And if you have your palms, you can wave those around and we're gonna be talking about this God that came back from death to life. So go ahead and stand on up and let's worship together. Let's sing it out loud.